0: First thing I remember knowing Was a lonesome whistle blowing And a young'un's dream of growing up to ride On a freight train leaving town Not knowing where I'm bound No one to change my mind mama tried One and only rebel child From a family meek and mild My mama seemed to know what lay in store I'd all my Sunday learning with the bad, I kept on turning Till mama couldn't hold me anymore And I turned 21 in prison Doing life without parole No one could steer me right But mama tried, mama tried Mama tried to raise me better But her pleading I denied That leaves only me to blame Cause mama tried
1: What is up, doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show, where we discuss (sighs) this fledgling basketball team, your Washington Wizards. Hello everyone, this is Adam McGinnis. It is Tuesday, April 7th, 2016, another bipolar weather day here in the nation's capital. Rain in the morning, sunny during the day, rain again in the evening, I am over weather talk and something else that is almost over it is your 2015-16 Washington Wizards they are on the brink of postseason elimination in the sense that they are not going to make the playoffs they play Friday night in Detroit against the Pistons lose and they're done win and they still have a faint chance they are currently 38 and 40 with four games remaining uh, after Detroit on Friday they play Sunday against Charlotte at home Monday in Brooklyn and Wednesday at home versus the Hawks they need to win all four games and then hope Detroit who is currently 42 and 37 loses all their three games which obviously the first one is the Wizards and the remaining two games Detroit has is Miami at home on Tuesday and then at Cleveland On Wednesday. So the chances are slim. The Wizards hold hold the tiebreaker versus the Pistons. So all they need to do is tie them. Uh, The chances are 1, 2, and 3% of the playoff probabilities. So yes, there is still a chance. Cue the tweets that you send me when I tweet out the playoff probabilities. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh, Yes, it is not zero. So we're going to still talk about it until it is zero. But it is not, not... (laughs) looking well whatsoever. Uh, for today for this episode, I had got a different perspective. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Hopwood is a longtime season ticket holder of the Washington Wizards. He writes a blog occasionally on the team. We talked for an hour on various topics, what it's like to be a season ticket holder, the team raising prices. He went and saw the team out in LA recently. We discussed what it's like to be a wizards fan on the road. We went into the in-game experience. Uh, we tried to talk about how painful the season has been. It has been, obviously, one of the most painful uh, in a long, long time with the high expectations. So we discussed that. We also go into you know the future of Randy Whitman and also Ernie Grunfeld and what this team is really going to be made of in the summer and the, f- the dismal future ahead. Uh, thank you once again for everyone. For supporting this podcast all year in the the most excruciating season, I'm going to continually do it. You continually download and listen, Uh, leave me comments, whatever, somewhere on iTunes, I guess. Every time I listen to a podcast, people will say to leave comments, but I don't know how to do that, I guess. But supposedly it helps with your iTunes ranking, but I don't know, the downloads keep going up. So I guess if people want to find a Wizards podcast, they have to do it through ratings on iTunes. Uh, I guess. I'm unaware. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. All that matters is we have four more games, till this guy-forsaken season's over, and we can talk about having no draft picks, and Kevin Durant not coming here. <laughs> so, on that uplifting note, uh, everyone, here is my discussion with, with Jonathan. My guest today on this episode is a fellow fan, a long-time season ticket holder of the Wizards, uh part-time blogger as well, Uh uh, Mr. Jonathan Hopwood, Jonathan, uh, welcome to the Pixel Roll Show. Uh, how are you, man?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Adam.
1: Uh, I appreciate it. What uh, you know? Be, before we get into this this team and, and all the the many topics that we have, just just talk about yourself real quick. What what is your personal background, your affiliation? You know, personally and and with sports and Wizards fandom. Well, about
2: 16 years, I moved down here to close to my parents and. You know, I was a Knicks fan. I was living in upstate New York. And so my dad and I used to go to a Knicks game every so often. They lived in Connecticut. And it was it was tough to get tickets. That was when, you know, Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley, John Starks, Latrell Sprewell, Marcus Camby. Of course, those guys get traded for each other, right? Uh, But that's sort of the
1: Ernie Ernie Ruffield era, I believe, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's exactly right. And so I got a soft spot for Ernie, maybe a little softer than other Wizards fans. So, you know, when I moved down here, Looking at the Wizards, and you can get a whole season for 400 bucks. So it's like, are you kidding me? There's no way I'm not buying season tickets. And so it just sort of snowballed from there. And that, that team was terrible. That was a 1963 team. It was right before Michael Jordan started playing. So we had the Jordan, Jordan in the front office there. And uh, it, it just sort of snowballed from there. And now it's like an obsession. I can't escape from it. So you start, uh, this you team, s- I scheduled my life around this team.
1: So you start. You started start as insane. a Knicks fan and now you became a Wizards fan. I, I like that. Yeah. I, up, yeah. I grew up a Lakers and a Bucks fan, which is weird. And now I'm stuck with this uh, wa- this Washington franchise for, for better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, well, for well, worse mostly. Yeah.
1: I hear what, you. I feel your pain. I you feel my pain. Well, here, here's the obligatory question, uh, Jonathan. Everyone that, especially new guests, I ask them, the first question I always ask them is just straight up, uh, what are your feelings of the season so far, and as the season is almost over, I know your answer would be, be it'd be like if someone asked me today, "How was your commute, Adam?" Knowing that I got rained on uh, going to work and leaving work. So, uh, Jonathan, uh, just your your thoughts and feelings about the 2015-16 uh, Wizards campaign.
2: Honestly, I think the season is the worst, <laughs> and, and there have been some battles. There, there, there's been two 19-win seasons. This is 16 years I've been doing this, and there's the whole, what was it, 2009, 2010 with the guns and Gilbert Arenas and the Mike Miller trade and the Randy Foy coming over, and there were such high expectations for that. But I think looking back on that season, you, you, you have that historical perspective here, and you, you got to say, what were we thinking? There's no way that team was going to win anything with the characters they had on that team and with Gilbert's knee surgery and all that sort of stuff. It was just doomed to fail. But this one, there's no excuse, and maybe in a couple of years we'll feel differently when we have a little bit of history behind us and we see how all these parts on this team really work out with their careers, but I don't feel there's any excuse on this one. There's just been so many bad losses, and, and the attitude has just been so poor and casual towards winning games. It's been very frustrating.
1: Yeah, I w- I thought that nothing could really top the 08-09 season where we fired Eddie Jordan about two weeks into the season, and Eddie, yeah. Ta- Eddie Tapscott took over. And Gilbert was hurt and they won 19 games and it was, I think Deshaun Stevenson had the worst shooting percentages of any guard <laughs> ever. Uh, and, and Coran and Antoine really got a mulligan in that season. I thought that should have been a lot better than, I, I believe they ended up with 19 wins. I thought that was the pain. Then of course, instead of drafting a guy like Stephen, uh, Stephen Curry, they, they trade, <laughs> we don't know who they trade for. Yeah. <laughs> they trade for, uh, Randy Foy and Mike Miller. We don't really get into that. And the, and then, and then just even, the end of just the John Wall's rookie season or that second year, the lockout season. Gosh, that was so hard. There were so many games. I, I I wrote all these blog posts. I don't even remember writing half of them. I mean, there was four games and five nights. And I would just write how Rashad Lewis is, is put about the pasture every night. And Chris Singleton was doing terrible. And John Wall was... Not near as well as he is now, was going 100 miles an hour, and you have Nick Young playing for a contract, and Javel McGee, uh, you know, shacking a fool every night, and, and Andre Blotch, you know, being lazy and out of shape, and, and you never thought that it could get as worse, and maybe it isn't as, ba- as embarrassing as those. Uh, this year is just about the expectations, right? I mean, they, we could argue, honestly, Buckhance loves to remind us every other broadcast about how this, Team should have beat the should've beat the Hawks. They were John Wall broken wrists away from playing the Cavs in Eastern Conference Finals. Right. And now here we are, four games left in this season, and I'm scoreboard watching Detroit Pistons Orlando Magic <laughs> games on, on a on the ESPN tracker yeah. to see if the Wizards can somehow pull this mathematical long shot of long shots to make the eight seed so they can probably get swept or losing five games to the Cavs. So Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, is this a downer? So what do you think, in your sense, what What do you think happened here this year? I, I know that you've told me you went to almost every home game. I, I've been to, you know, probably 10 or 15. Unfortunately, have watched almost every single one and podcast on a weekly basis yeah. about this team. What What is just your sense and your viewpoint and perspective of, of attending each one of these games at home? Because the home record, to me, uh, there's many bugaboos of the season, but just the Poor performances at home is one that really stands out to me.
2: Yeah, its I, I can't put my finger on it, really. There's a number of things. Uh, maybe it's the personnel and the new system. You can sort of blame it on the injuries, but you can't blame the second half of the season on the injuries, really. Pretty much everybody was healthy. You know, Alan Anderson's not going to make that big a difference to how this team would, would fare overall. I just think there was the expectation that everything just work out fine. And... and so there was no commitment to playing defense, really, for long periods of time. I don't quite get Bradley Beal this year. He doesn't seem like he's having any fun. He doesn't seem committed. He doesn't seem like he's in a contract year in any way. It, it just, it, it, his play is just bewildering sometimes. Uh, he's not aggressive. He's not being a leader, in my opinion. Um, there's just, it's just a whole series of things, but I think overall, I think he, this team just, expected that it would all work out okay and it just hasn't worked out okay it hasn't done anything close when i hear Beale say you know after the after the clippers loss, that the fat lady hasn't started singing yet i mean you've got to be kidding me really <laughs> just like on the last line
1: uh it's singing there's that they have a one percent chance currently uh yeah. so it's i don't know if it's tuning up or the the the, the chorus is written it just hasn't they haven't given the the go-ahead to start the verse yet yeah. Uh, so, what's also bewildering about this season is that, aside from November, John Wall has been sensational. I mean, his numbers are going to yes. go down as one of the best in franchise history, and so whenever I see any type of criticism about him, I'm always like, well, let's get the context. Like, how bad would this team be without John Wall? And we kind of saw it last night a little bit in the Nets in the first half, where this hapless Nets team, who has a bunch of guys I don't even know or don't even know who played on the Nets, and the Wizards were going through the motions. In the first half, and allowed them to scrap into it. It only took, you know, they obviously wore them down because the Nets are not a not a, not a, a good team. I mean, they're not even trying to win, and they've shut down uh, two of their better players, so their chances of winning were, were very low to begin with. But, you know, it, it took a Ramon Sessions to play really well in the second half and them to kind of commit to defense. But we've seen this. We saw it with Minnesota. We saw it in almost every Sixers game that, that even when you're like, okay, just, just – Players put down on this team the first three quarters and let's coast and chill the rest of the half. Now, the Wizards did play without John Wall. That's the point I'm making. And so, to go back to the original observation, is how frustrating is it in the sense that John Wall has been great and this team is still struggling
2: to make the playoffs? Yeah, I don't see how anybody can pick up Wall this year. There's been too many turnovers in some games, but the guy's up against it and he's been fantastic. I sit right down in 109, like five rows behind the hockey boards, and, and some of those passes he throws down at that end of the court are just incredible. I, I, I don't understand how the ball gets there. He's just got such great court vision. He's, he's just playing at such a high level. And I agree, the stats are off the charts this year. And, of course, those things don't tell at all. But I, I think he's had an just unconscionably good season. But he's a great guy too. I mean, all the community involvement and all that sort of stuff. He's a, he's probably the only guy in the starting lineup that's any sort of a leader on that team. It's it's just beyond reproach this year. I think he's been fantastic.
1: Yeah, and and so we, so how about the defense? I mean, you mentioned the defense, the injuries, excuses are they get old and tiresome. I, I think. Jake Whitaker on Bulls Forever wrote a post the other day showing how the, the Grizzlies have had way more injuries. Technically, yeah. uh, you know, are we counting Mar- Martel Webster, you know, who we didn't really count on, but you could technically count him as not playing, or Gary Neal, who's now how has, hasn't been with the team for months. You technically can count him. Uh, Drew Gooden, who sat out for a while, you know, I mean, Beal would be the only one, and Allen Anderson being the rotation player. But like you mentioned, I mean, we're counting Allen Anderson to be an eighth or ninth player here, not not one of the top six players. Gortat has played almost every game. Wall has played played every game until until the next game he missed. Uh, You know, Nene, surprisingly, has played. You know, he sat out a a bunch of games there earlier, about mid, mid of the season, but he's been available. Otto had a couple stretches here and there, but he's played the majority of the games. So your top five, six of players, you know, aside from Beal maybe missing, you know, a few months here, has been on the court. And so what is, I mean, what has it been, from the defensive standpoint, especially um, that you have seen from, is it an effort issue? Is it is it fundamental? Is it coaching? Is it all of the above? Probably lack of, lack of urgency, you know.
2: Yeah, I see. I see sort of one or two or three big lapses here. I mean, there was there was a real problem in the beginning of the season about three, defending the three point line. Right, they just yeah. weren't making it difficult for people to take three point shots wide or make any effort open to get these, right wide, wide exactly, <laughs> and just. Just strange guys getting hot against them. Wesley Matthews, how many how many three-pointers oh. did he carry against C.J. Miles?
1: Remember that game? C.J. Miles? Right. Oh.
2: right. But I think there's a couple of guys in particular. I guess I, I just said I can't really pick on John Wall, but I, I think John's gotten a little bit lazy on defense. He, he tries to poke the ball away from guys a lot from behind this year. And, you know, he gets it, he gets it. But if he misses, the guy's got a clear path to the basket. So I, I see him slipping a little bit there on defense. And I think some of Gortat's lapses are just amazing. He, he's he's just out of position a lot in certain games. Certain games he's really good, and other games he's just terrible. He's just his head's not in the game.
1: Oh, Thomas Robinson was killing him at the beginning of the game last night for the Nets. Yeah, yeah DC boy, Thomas Robinson, and it was driving. I literally tweeted like five times in a row, and I'm like, okay, I'm tweeting about, like about Gortat's defense like repeatedly, but it was seriously every time down the court. He was out of position, didn't defend well. He was missing rebounds. Now, he played a lot better in the second half, but it really was night and day of Nene. And people get frustrated with Nene because of of his missed free throws and inability sometimes to finish around the whim and, you know, his injuries here and there over, over his Wizards career. But it's night and day when he's on the court defensively. And sometimes you don't really see it as much because he's cut off angles. He's pushing the rebounder away. And he still is a force there. And, and I really think he's a really benefit of the team, especially on the backup center role. Uh, women's women Whitman now playing Gortad and Nene together, uh, at stubbornly at times has been a frustrating <laughs> thing, uh, for, for bloggers, for fans. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know if Whitman was trying to make a point here and there with injuries that he put him back in, but I don't know. It just was, it was like, hey, this whole season has been going to this new style. And then there's a couple of big games where he would roll those two guys out together. Of course, it wouldn't work. Uh, you know, shocking. Yeah. But but and as even as a journalist that gets a chance to interview him, I can't even ask him that question because he's not going to answer it. Uh, so let's just start with women. What do you see from the co- we we talked about the players just from the coaching? Uh, you know, you've obviously got an up close personal view of Randy Whitman as well.
2: Yeah, I. I love Randy Whitman. I appreciate what he's brought to the team in terms of accountability. And so maybe I'm still hung up on that. But the fact that he got Blatch out of that lineup and he refused to play guys like McGee when he was put in that position, I think he brought a real accountability to the team. And he clearly made those guys play defense the last two or three years and did a really good job. But I think overall, the predictability there in the offense especially is you see it in the amount of turnovers and the, the kind of passes that get picked off routinely. And it, it, it doesn't seem like teams are surprised by what we're doing offensively. And so that's frustrating. And so defense is only going to get you so far. But when your team refuses to play defense, you're going to end up with, you know, the, the nine or 10 spot in the East. And it's just not going to be good enough. So as much as I love Randy Whitman, uh, I, I think it's, it's time to try something else. Wow. If what we're going to get with Whitman and Grunfeld is, you know, a second round appearance in the playoffs every couple of years, and and missing the playoffs the rest of the time—that's just not what what it's about.
1: Yeah, Kyle, Kyle has a similar opinion, and, and I share share the similar sentiments. Is that women took this team, changed the identity, changed the culture, made them play defense because the Eddie Jordan's teams did not play defense. I know we all romanticized the Agent <laughs> Zero, the Agent Zero days, but I mean Antonio Daniels and Brendan Hayward were the only play, people playing defense, and then later on Deshaun Stevenson. Nobody, Butler really wasn't playing yeah. defense. Jamison and Rena sure as hell right. were not playing any defense. And so we forget right. that how bad those teams were defensively. They were just fun to watch offensively. And then now we change the cult and then we go through, you know, the Javel McGee. Then we, you start with Javon, uh, John Wall era. And then he got John Wall to, to play defense. It was John Wall was the head of the snake. Nene was the, the tail of the snake. They funneled defensively when Whitman came in. You know that that second half of the season, they played a lot better defense. They they've been a top ten defensive team his last three years, and now they've slipped to the middle of the pack. And so, and the offense still yeah. is a mess. The offense still is a mess. Right. And, and and you know maybe that is poor drafting. Maybe they haven't got the right the right players. Maybe this is a mulligan of a season. You know, as they're going to try to get a Kevin Durant or you know to to be flexible salary wise. They didn't see an upgrade in the offense over the off season without tying their their flexibility, you know, tying down their, f- their flexibility for next year. But I think it comes to the point where it seems that, you know, you can't make an argument that like you have the last two years of, Hey, you know, they made the playoffs. We won a first round. We're an injury away from making the next round. This team has gotten better. We're a top five defensive team. Look, what's your argument now? I mean, that, right. there's just all excuses. And so, and then we've also seen the NBA, Everyone's getting fired, man. Like, like, people are getting fired. They're doing good. I mean, David Blatt's getting fired. Kevin McHale's getting fired. You got coaches getting fired over and over and over. And somehow we are we are the only ones not. I'm not saying that we have to make rash decisions like some of those organizations, but these are winning clubs, winning 55 games, going deep in the playoffs. And they've decided, like, hey, this isn't working. Uh, we need a new voice. And for the Wizards to not look at the results now uh, and to see to make on that, it seems that this team has tuned him out in a sense. Uh, I, I don't. I think him and Gortat's relationship is probably uh, you know terrible. I know Bradley Beal. I've heard reports some guys' coach situation. He does not like playing for Whitman. Uh, Wall will never say that in, anything publicly or privately because that's just not really how John rolls. Right. But you can kind of see. I mean, you see it. I mean, I mean, you you see it in their quotes, in, in their body language. And hey, I mean. Whitman's only partially guaranteed for next year, and if they miss the playoffs, I mean, I'd even make an argument if they would somehow miraculously make the playoffs and lose in the first round, that you still make a change. And, yeah. and, and we've also seen that, that Randy Whitman has stubbornly not maybe accepted this new offense, you know, the way that he is against uh, evolving, uh, especially on the offensive end, his stubbornness of not really wanting to play small ball, aside from what, one playoff series with Paul Pierce? Or, or putting Chris Humphreys this year at the floor? How much does... Is that his fault, or how much is that on ownership or management? You're, they probably all share some culpability in that. But I think that you're correct in the sense that women deserves credit. But as time has passed, and they need to find somebody else to, to, to make this better, or someone needs to be held accountable. Because if it sure as hell isn't going to be the ownership, it sure as hell probably is not going to be Ernie Grunfeld. It has, it, you know, and it's going to be probably some players, you know, because half this roster is going to turn over. They only have like five or six guys currently under contract for next year. So it has to maybe be uh, a chance to, you know, have a fresh start with Whitman uh, or a fresh start with a new coach to get rid of Whitman. Even though yeah. I do like that you, you give him credit because sometimes I think a lot of fans don't recognize how bad this was. Maybe you sit through the, the Leonard Hamilton years and the, uh, the, uh, Gar and, uh, I mean, even Doug Collins yeah. was okay, I guess. Eddie Tempscott was a disaster uh, even Eddie Jordan, you know, did a bunch of baffling things that drove me nuts. There Randy any women, uh, you know, as cranky and crusty as he is, you know, got them to focus on one part of the game that, that led them to success. And if they got a couple of breaks, they maybe could have gone farther. But you've also seen in the, in the regular season over a body of work that they kind of underachieved in the regular seasons almost every, every year under him, you know, either mildly, right. or even mildly, you would argue. And then this year, obviously drastically. I, so, so my thing is, so what is your fixes on this then? Before we, we go into, uh, you know, your, the season ticket holder stuff I want to talk about. But you're just, what are your sense of what are these fixes? You know, hey, we're on a podcast. We all got, we all got answers. <laughs> no power in all the answers. <laughs> so, so that question.
2: Sorry, I missed that one. Uh, well, how would you fix this? How, would, how um, would you, how would you fix this team? I know. What a loaded question. It's, it's hugely difficult to answer. I mean, I look at the available free agents out there, and I look at the amount of teams that have got cap space, too. And we've done all this work to, to line this thing up, and all of a sudden the cap's going way up on us. So you look at the available free agents out there, there's nobody there that's a really a team changer, except for Durant and, you know, if LeBron James opts out. But there's nobody else there. Who's the next guy up? Uh, DeMar DeRozan, maybe? Andre Drummond? I don't think those guys are either going to leave their team or necessarily fix what's what's wrong with us. But obviously, we're we're not, we're going to have a completely different team next year unless we just resign the whole bunch, which doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I I wonder about the, the relationship between Dylan Gore. Those guys clearly don't seem to have a healthy relationship to me, especially what happened in the last couple weeks in public on Twitter, that sort of thing. Um I also wonder about um you know Beale's future with the team. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just wonder how that's gonna play out. And I I know I'm not proposing fixes here, but I just wonder about all those things. I, I'm not sure how to fix this thing.
1: That 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 is a good answer. Now I, I wrote your, your recent blog post, uh, you were out in LA. Uh, you went and went and saw the I, yeah. was at, I was at a bar watching it with a bunch of, a uh, bunch of friends and, uh, fellow wizard bloggers that write on truthaboutit.net. Uh, we watched it without the sound, unfortunately, because there was a baseball games on. So we watched it and then, you know, we're, we're talking a lot, kind of paying attention. The wizards are losing. So we're, we're losing attention. The, and of course, they they come back, and and I was just waiting for Chris Paul to put the dagger put the dagger in him.
2: Yeah, and
1: he did, and he did. And Jamal Crawford did some rainbows. But you were out at the Staples Center. Uh, I don't know if you saw Gilbert Arenas at uh, half court, but uh, I saw that he was there again. Yeah. Uh, just just talk about your experience, uh, what it was like to watch the Wizards on the road, and just what that game was like to,
2: to be there. Well, that's. First time I've been that far away from home to watch the Wizards. I've been, you know, to a bunch of places. We went to New Orleans earlier this year, uh been to Milwaukee, Indiana, Chicago, Minnesota, all over the place. Um, but I'd never been out to Staples and and you know I've been to LA four or five times before and, and downtown LA is just sort of a mess. It's just sort of this isolated wasteland where nobody lives. But Staples Center I thought was great. I thought the arena was was gorgeous inside. I thought the seating arrangement where where sort of all the sections were focused towards the middle, rather than being sort of parallel to a hockey board thing or perpendicular to a hockey board thing, uh was great. I thought that the arena looked it looked brand new. It's way better taken care of than Verizon Center somehow. Maybe it gets a lot less use, I don't know, but I can't imagine that's true. And uh and the crowd was really engaged. And I'm I'm sure that's unusual to the last few years for the Clippers fans, but the building had a ton of energy, and it was awesome to see. Uh, the thing, the place was full at the tip-off, and uh, that's something you rarely see at Verizon Center. Um, it just seemed like people were way more into it. And, and who knows, maybe it's all the people that used to go cheer for the Lakers are now in, in the seats for the Clippers. I don't know, but
0: uh, it was a great
2: atmosphere out there, and uh, you know those guys have got a great team, as much as I... I don't like some of the guys on that team. They've got a great team. Blake
1: Griffin. Blake Griffin. I hate Blake Griffin, so keep going. It's just (laughs) flopping all the time. It's terrible. I want, I want, I want, I think I made a funny joke on Twitter, I was like, I want Denae to like, jack him. Or like, like, I want to fight, I would drop the gloves. Like, I want to fight, I want to fight to finally have it. And I was like, I would pay money for it to maybe be Trevor Booker. Like, you know, Trevor Booker, I know him, he has a history of him, I've wrote, I wrote a bunch, I wrote a really good blog post about how Blake Griffin was the villain years ago, and then Blake Griffin, of course, uh, yeah. did not, did not play in that game. And then Booker gets in a fight with him in preseason this year for the Jazz. I was like, yep. yeah. I was like, yeah, they both got ejected. But I want to see you to see, like, okay, Mr. Tough Guy. Because I feel like there's something with Blake Griffin. Like, he's always getting these skirmishes at some point. And then I feel like it's got to be him. You know what I mean? It's, it's like Steven Adams, that guy, guy from Oklahoma City. Like, you know yeah. that he's a dirty player. There's a reason people oh, are yeah. pissed. And no Blake, Griffin, Blake Griffin tries to be that he's not a dirty player and then tries to play the victim. Like, everyone's picking on him. But there's, there's yeah, my random ran beef on Blake Griffin. It was his first game back. But what, uh, what what is it like when you go on the road and wearing Wizards gear, especially in California? Have you seen many other Wizards fans in the crowd? Or what were you wearing? There, there were
2: some. I was just wearing a T-shirt. I elected to go without the John Wall jersey, which I probably <laughs> should have done. Um, but we had stuff to do afterwards. I just don't want to be wearing a jersey <laughs> down, you <know? laughs> But there were good about fans out there. I thought that, I mean, the, the Clippers fans out there were really laid back. I, I, you know, nobody said anything to me. And sometimes I get a little grief some of these arenas. Um, I remember in Indiana, some guys asked me if I lost the bet and had to wear that jersey. And, uh, you know, so it, the fans were great out there. Um, but there were a number of Wizards fans. I was surprised at the number, but, you know, it's probably you know, 10 or 12. It's not a lot.
1: So, what other are arenas have you been in? You you mentioned Indiana. You try to do this every year, once in, once in a while. You said you went to New Orleans earlier, which of course the Wizards lost on a, a last course, shot. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I tried to do at least one a year. You know, I was doing one a year for a while, and my friend Mike's like, you know, it's gonna take you forever doing one a year. You better <laughs> speed this thing up. So, so I've done two the last couple of years. Um, you're trying, sure to get, you're, to get
1: to, you're trying to get to every arena, right? That, that's the project. I yeah, if I mentioned that.
2: Right, that's right. And uh, so it was New Orleans and LA this year. Last year it was Miami and Toronto. But we also went to the All Star Game too. So we, I picked up Brooklyn there, but I haven't seen the Wizards play up there. Um, so pretty much done the whole Southeast except for Charlotte, and I haven't been to Cleveland or Detroit, but I've got the rest of the the Central there, and uh, I'm just thin out west.
1: So what is your record in these? (laughs) It's below 500, but it's not much below. (laughs) Not much? That's not bad, considering we haven't been that great on the road in the John Wall era.
2: Yeah, because somehow we managed to win in Miami when I went there by one at the very last minute. You know, we try to pick teams that are pretty bad (laughs) so that we can get some cheap tickets, you know, because the stuff is up. So uh, you know, T so wolves
1: and T wolves like, you know, and Bucks and, and Sixers.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, the T wolves we lost to because it was the Garnett era there, um, and that was the, that was the game that the, the Wizards' flight got rerouted to Duluth or something because of weather, and they got into town, you know, right before, and it, it just we just, just didn't go well. But it's about five hundred. I think it was over five hundred until this year, and then we slipped below because we, we can't win anything when I show up.
1: So you t- you mentioned the. You know some guys talk some shit in Indiana, but overall, what is your when you go to opposing arenas with wearing wizard's gear, what kind of reaction do you get from from other fans? I guess maybe obviously it depends on the arena. And then how about when you run into fellow wizards fans? I, I'm curious to that as well.
2: It, yeah, I generally get a pretty good reception. I mean, nobody dislikes the Wizards, right? Nobody <laughs> likes the Philly bad, historically. There's no bad blood or anything. Maybe if I went to Cleveland or something. Or maybe those guys just don't care because they beat us every time. It matters. Um, but he got pretty good reception. I mean, NBA fans are generally pretty good. I'm not going to a hockey game or something or a football yeah. game where I'm wearing somebody else's colors.
1: Skin, skin's, so, in, skins jersey in Philly, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, n- none of that. Um, so, I mean, NBA fans are pretty good. They're pretty civilized. and uh you know, get to talking sometimes and uh you know, people are pretty appreciative of the fact that I've I've been sticking with it for so long. And I think there's a respect there. Um for somebody to be able to put up with this much punishment, I guess.
1: <laughs> hey, if there's any I've been vlogging about this team since two thousand nine, so uh and and been fan of them, you know, since early two thousands, Michael Jordan era. I've lived in DC, so I have, I feel you, man. I, 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 feel, I know the pain, and I know uh, how, how the the highs are not that high, but the damn lows are so damn low. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's there's been a better. lot of them. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's sports in general. And then the, I feel like the highs don't stay with me as much as as the lows. Or and now I'm just numb to it all. Actually, it takes me it takes me a while to really have a loss that really affects me. That much. Even though that team was lost sent me over the edge the other night, uh, that double overtime yeah. loss. But how about the kinship when you see fellow
2: Wizards fans on the road? Well, I mean, you don't see a lot of them. Yes. So, <laughs> handful, um, handful, and handful. And they're rarely <laughs> sitting next to you. So I, I, I more often connect with fans for the other team because I'm just surrounded by them. And so people are curious, you know, about traveling to other games and why would you do that and go through all that and... But, you know, it's cool. But I don't connect with a lot of Wizards fans out on the road. Um, At Summer League, Summer League's different because you can sort of sit together. Um, And I've been out there seven or eight times. Uh, And so so you do get to talk to people that are Wizards fans out there and find out other people's stories. And and that's pretty cool. But on the road in the games, you know, where you've got a ticket and you're not near any of the Wizards fans, it's difficult to connect with guys.
1: Yeah. What's in your future plans?
2: Well, honestly, it depends on the schedule. You know, i decided not to go to Summer League this year, and that's the first time I won't have been since, like, 06. Um, that event's just evolved from, you know, a, a really, really super intimate event and this big thing now where, you know, the games sell out and there's the arenas are packed. It's just not the same experience, so I decided to give it a break this year. But next year, it's just going to be dependent on the schedule. You know, I'm going to pick weekend games and... And go to places that that seem fun to go to, or that I've never been, and and just go.
1: Yeah, speaking of speaking of games, so you have been a season tickler for 15 years. You told me
2: 60. Yeah, so this 60, is the 16th,
1: year. Sixteenth 16th year. You wrote a really good blog post a couple months ago when they announced that they were raising ticket prices. I had I had some reaction of fans. You know, interact with them on Twitter and. You know, I had a lot of season ticket holder people. People, obviously, you know, prices go up for the same product. People are going to be be happy, especially when they they announce this during, you know, one of the slumps, again, of the Wizards. Uh, You know, they're fighting again to be 500. I believe they were 25 or 30 or something at the time. Uh, And the reaction was, as expected, negative. But sometimes I don't know what is the, you know, hey, just a couple people yelling at me on Twitter, you know, is it different than, you know, the 10,000, supposedly 10,000 season ticket holders that pay for this team? So, you know, that's just anecdotal evidence, but just a broad sense that, you know, you are you know, you talk to season ticket holders, you are one, obviously. What was, before we get into the details of it all, what was the initial reaction that you felt from, you know, not only yourself, but other, uh, other season ticket holders that you interacted with?
2: Well, I think, first of all, nobody likes an increase in price, right? Everybody wants to get stuff for cheap. I mean, nobody likes to pay any money for anything. Any Especially for, money the same for, anything. Thing,
1: for the same thing, right? You don't get anything extra. Right. right.
2: <laughs> and uh, so, I've actually defended the Wizards ticket prices in the past. I've written a couple of blog posts over the past couple of years where I've looked into the price of other teams' tickets and sort of compared them to where my t- my tickets are in the, the Verizon Center. And you know, a couple of years ago when they made that first increase after they had that couple-year price freeze, you know, I still thought it was a bargain to go to. The difficulty, I think, that the Wizards have is they've created a situation where the majority of their ticket holders, and I think more than 50% of their ticket holders have bought, you know, two three years ago, which is after the team decided to slash prices. So they've got a ticket-buying group that is in love with these artificially low numbers and doesn't really understand what it costs to go to an NBA game, you know, for 41 games. So, you know, my tickets in the lower level this year went up from uh, 66 to 80. So that's that's a pretty big jump, but they're still not as expensive as they were six years ago or whatever it was when the team decided to tank and cut prices. Yeah,
1: I think in the Jordan year, I bought lower bowl tickets for like 100 bucks. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's about... It, like, like, it was $100 in the, in the mid-to-, mid-to... And even Gilbert Arenas years, I
2: remember it was around there, too. That's right, and that's the going rate for an NBA game. And that's and 10 it years really, ago,
1: 10, 12 years ago,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter how bad the team is. That's what you're going to pay. And if, if you're some premium franchise that wins a lot of titles, you know, you're going to pay more. Or if you're the Lakers, I mean, I looked into just... I was going down to Orlando a couple of years ago, and I was just looking at you know, what's it going to cost to get a, a lower-level seat in a corner, and the season tickets there were $175 a game. Wow. I, mean, I can't imagine paying that much for a game. And so it makes my seat at $80 next year look really reasonable. And I think it is. I think the lower-level seats are still pretty reasonable. Yeah, the price hike's tough because it, it's gone up $14, which is like 21% or something. But I still think it's reasonable. The objection I have is up in the upper deck. I think the upper deck tickets are just far too expensive. Those things were always historically low. I never paid more than 16 bucks for those things up until, you know, a couple of years ago. Now they're 30 next year. So they've pretty much doubled in price in the last three or four years. And I just think that's too much.
1: So, so what was the reaction of, of other fans, except for you personally? I mean, you talked have a similar reaction. They're just like, hey, why are we paying so much more?
2: yeah i didn't get a lot i didn't get a lot of positive feedback i do know one couple of guys in, in our section that are not renewing and and the price is part of it uh, there's also some things going on you know with their schedules or whatever but price isn't helping that situation and and everybody else that i talked to you know is is not happy but everybody else that i talked to either on twitter or in person they're all renewing yeah. but they're all renewing with sort of a reservation and and i think you know if this summer doesn't go well and and the seats go up again next year i i think the team's going to lose a lot of fans but i i think they're going to lose some this year anyway i just think it, there's a sticker shock they've got a, a a ticket buying population that does not expect to pay $80 for a corner lower level seat they expect to pay 50 because that's what they bought 3 or 4 years ago when they cut the price in half
1: no no i understand I think, the, the lower level but it seemed to me your big objection like you like you just uh, uh, discussed or touched on was the upper level. I mean, it's not that great of a seat. It's not that great of a seat in the upper level, and it's know, not it's not that great of a seat. And, and you know, it is you know to ask forty dollars, forty five bucks after Ticketmaster prices when you buy on you know for just going on you know Ticketmaster and buying a single game ticket, right? So you're giving right. a discount to thirty bucks to buy a full season. It doesn't seem that big of a discount because <laughs> now I've had people to be like. Hey, why do I want to buy, especially the upper, upper levels? I can't resell them, especially for the bad games. There's no playoff games. Right. And then now right. you've, now you've double that. Now you're nickel diamond me essentially for a seat that isn't that great. Right. I
2: mean, uh, I, I agree. There, there's a lot of times, you know, cause I've got seats upstairs and downstairs. And so the idea was there that the guy that I share the tickets with, you know, we can take other people every so often and both go to the game still. And then we try to sell some when we can't go. And uh, this year's ticket ticket sales have not been good. And there's a lot of games upstairs. You know, Tuesday against Milwaukee, Wednesday against Toronto, these teams that nobody cares about really. um, And midweek games, they just don't sell. So the price all seems to be based on, you know, weekend games. And and obviously when Cleveland or Golden State or somebody like that comes to town, the the ticket's worth a lot more. But the, the problem is having to sit through. All these, uh, you know, weekday games, and and when the product on the court is doing what it's doing at home, uh, losing to the Lakers and Denver and teams like that, it just it's just not it's just not worth it. I don't Get, think.
1: Getting there, getting your ass kicked by Portland on MLK Day, uh, go, <laughs> yeah. go 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 down go down the list. I mean, embarrassing yeah. loss, embarrassing losses. I think one of my projects, uh, I know Dan Seiberg wrote one the other day, a top five Wizards losses, and I was like, yo, dude, yeah. I, I got six more. I got seven yeah, more. I do to too, me. yeah. I was like, I got seven more to add. That is going to be one of my painful blog, uh, uh, either a blog post or a podcast where I'm going to really detail the top ten. It's such a fun endeavor. I can't wait because we're not going to be talking a lot about to choose from this yeah, year. Yeah, there is. And just going through them all because I think that's actually important, and, and it kind of ties into – Back to Ted the Owens, who was like, we're going to get draft picks. When he was the owner, we're going to play young. We're going to play fast. We're going to win at home, protect at home because we're going to get people invested and they're going to get in buy in now. And then when the team, they grow with the team, we're going to play tough and then we're going to have them be able to sell playoff tickets to recuperate their, their, their season tech investment. And they're going to grow with this team. Now it seems like that this. Has this plan has has hit a hiccup? <laughs> has, I hit think a, so. has hit a bump in the road. The team is not playing well. You're still raising prices. You pretty much haven't developed anyone aside from John Wall or Beal and maybe Otto Porter that's still drafted that you've drafted. And the style of play is hit or miss. We've I think they're in an identity crisis. Like we just we just <laughs> talked about ten minutes ago of, of they don't play defense anymore. And now you're nickel diming people. Who are invested in your team, especially on seats that aren't that good. And there can be no playoff games for them to recuperate any money. What the hell is going on in that sense? And, and here's the thing that I, I want to, what is the communication that the ticker people have to you? Like, how do they justify these ticket increases, even smaller or small minuscule or, or larger ones? Like you said, uh, to half of these people who just started three years ago,
2: right? Yeah. I- you know, the, the communication is really sort of matter of fact. It's sort of, I mean, it's not quite, here's your bill, pay it. But it, it's there's, there's not much more than that. You know, the, unfortunately, as the team's gotten better, the benefits get worse, right? So we used to have a lot more sort of access to players or special events or, you know, they, they gave you a couple of complimentary tickets to some other games and, you know, those opportunities through rewards programs and whatnot to go to the uh, – the, the Doer's Club or the Etihad Lamp, yeah, what it's yeah, called yeah. now. And all that stuff's just been stripped away because there's so many people that have season tickets now that they just can't afford to give, you know, a couple of games away because they wouldn't have any tickets left to sell, I guess. Um, so it, it it's, there's, there's not much there to entice people with. It's just, you know, our product's great. Here, buy some tickets. But your product's not, not that great. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Ted Leonsis talking about the fact that you know season ticket holders have valuable commodities now and tickets they can resell at a higher value and market prices. The problem with that is I want to go to the game.
1: Yeah.
2: So I can't sell my ticket because I need it to go because that's why I buy the tickets. I don't buy the tickets to scalp them. I buy the tickets to go to the game. I want to go to every single game.
1: Yeah. You, you remember those blog posts that he wrote back in the day? He wrote many of them.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I've heard him talk about it at season ticket holder events, and it's just—I just don't understand what you're saying. What? What? I, you- I get that you got to raise tickets, and now I can make five bucks on my tickets still, but the problem is I'm now paying a lot more, and I'm going. Yeah, I'm not selling
1: it. And, and Ernie Garfield and Randy Whitman are still employed, which is the other part. Uh, and, you, and you won't change the name back to the Bullets. I, I don't know your opinion of that. It feels like there's these big major things that I know fans want that they don't deliver on. And so then they kind of go around the edges. And then when I see another price increase again, even though you're telling me the context of it is is fair on its the merits of this increase is fair. You have made a good argument to me like, hey, these are these are market rate below market rate. Now they've kind of inched up to market rate. But then you, have, but you have to have
2: the history there. If yeah. you don't have the history and understand that stuff, it, it's without that context. It just seems like the price is going way up.
1: Yeah. See. And then the thing is your average person half the ticket people, new people are going to be like, like, yeah, man, tickets are going up. <laughs> you won't get yeah. rid of these people. Uh, we're under a we're going to miss the playoffs. Like what the hell? And so you have a lot of angry fans, but, but, but you go back before we move on is that how much are people going to read? Like, when is this going to be an issue for Monumental and for the Owensons? Because I've talked to a couple, uh, you know, Adam Rubin writes for a side. He's a season ticket holder. He has mentioned, hey, he feels they'll still get 90% retention. And that as long as that they hit their marks, that he doesn't know if anything will really change in that sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, mean, we're speculating.
1: I I don't think they released those numbers. I mean, I think they released numbers, but I don't know how much I believe them. They're very self-serving, I'm sure.
2: Right. (laughs) You you know, at some point, they're not going to need the ticket holder revenue. When the new TV deal kicks in, it just doesn't matter anymore, right? There's so much money flowing in there. It just doesn't matter. So what they've got to care about is is getting fans in the building every single game to watch a team that's really good and, and root really hard for them and not hear let's go Knicks or let's go Celtics chants yeah. when, when, when there's a little bit of a lapse in the offense, which there invariably is in those games. And or when John,
1: John, John Wall gets booed by Knicks fans, and he thinks the Wizards fans are booing him, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he still believes that to this day, which is so bizarre. I'm like, no, that was Knicks. Those were Lakers and Knicks
2: fans booing you, dude. Yeah, it wasn't them. It's, it just there's just so many of them, and they make a lot of noise. And you know, the majority of people that go to those games don't care about the Wizards that much. They're they're, they're transient fans, in my opinion, and. We need a, a, a good core of, of fans that have been there 10, 15 years. And so it's especially important that we hold on to these guys that have bought at a discount. And, and honestly, in, in a couple of years, they're not going to need the season ticket holder revenue. It's going to be irrelevant compared to the TV revenue. So get people in there whatever way possible and make them root for the Wizards. Yeah, get their kids to
1: like him, get their friends to like him, it, make it an outing to go to. well One more question on this before we move on to my last topic is what you've now been under a Poland ownership and now you've been under monumentals ownership compare and contrast your experience under both those two ownership groups, especially as a, as a customer.
2: Well, um, I mean, I'll start with as a fan, I guess. I, I, I never got the sense that, that a Poland was making the right business decisions. It was all sort of from the heart. Granted, that was one of the things that made him a great man, the fact that he cared so deeply about people, but his emotions clearly got in the way of his business decisions when it came to basketball. And I don't see Ted doing quite the same thing, but he's had a pretty simple plan, simple to execute, not simple-minded or anything, for the last few years, and that simple plan was let's get terrible and then let's get better. And so they lucked out with John Wall getting the number one pick, right? And clearly that worked out. Clearly that wasn't a Greg Oden pick or something like that. And so you're clearly going to get better. And some of the personnel moves they've made have been really good and really paid off well. So it seems like they're approaching it much more from an intelligent business standpoint than they are from an emotional standpoint. So I think they're probably going to achieve greater success there in the long run. Um, But the attitude towards the customer, I, I think... You know, especially when you look at the way that the, the, the ticket map is divided up, there is so many different pricing levels now, and they did this with the capitals as well. It I mean, it's even worse with the capitals because you have to pay more at the at the goal end where the capitals skate towards than you do at the other end because theoretically you are seeing scoring during two periods, not one. It's it's just nuts. Wow, really? Yeah, know that. Yeah, and so it's just it's just divided up so finely on this map, and it, it just seems like it's a. We just want your money. There's way more of that. Um,
1: well, you've seen it with moving Buck and Phil from the front. You used to have yeah. two DJs. They moved them. They put in these other yeah. seats. We've we've seen yeah. things here and there. I know these are small moves, annoying moves, but they've moved the media around to to, to clear more room to maximize, uh, right? And, and you know, and then even this year they did re- uh, redevelopment. They redid the whole media room, so now they have cramped. Nothing. The, the old media. The old media room was. Not that great, it needed remodeled, but then they supposedly remodeled it by, uh, making it somewhat nicer, cramping it in, and then creating a whole bigger area for fans to hang out, but way more than they need. Now the fans can look into the media area. Well, no, first of all, no one wants to hear the media bitch about anything, cause one, we get to go for the games for free. But yeah. in the sense that it's like, Wow! Like now, you didn't really upgrade. You you basically made it somewhat cosmetically nicer, but you cut all the space and now cramped everyone in. <laughs> and so you can maximize this experience of now watching the media and the, the post game interviews. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's nicer, I guess, and they are limited on space, but stuff like that, I don't, I don't really see the benefit. But I don't know. They probably yeah, have some
2: reason. D- yeah, there's definitely, in my opinion. Uh, a leaning towards the people that are going to pay the most for their tickets. And so I, I, I've talked before about the access to the Etihad lounge, which I think we've been deliberately excluded from. Like they've done everything they can to keep us out of that space. And I finally got in there for this AFL press conference. I just had to go to that thing just so I could see what it was like. But but it's clearly there's a focus on people that want VIP experiences and, and will pay for it. And so... I don't feel super valued as a customer there when, when I've been sticking with it for 15 years and some guys just dropping 200 grand, which is granted more than I paid over 15 years, but some guys dropping 200 grand for a seat and all of a sudden he's getting the best treatment, so he'll be gone. You know, when this te- if this team gets bad again, that dude's out.
1: He's and gone, he, and he's not going to the Bucks Wizards game on a Tuesday night either, right? I mean, that's the right, point, right? Right. Like, he's not going to go see the Jazz and the Wizards on a Thursday night when it's 30 degrees out. Right? right. And then all of a sudden said- you go to an arena and it's ha- our or Sixers game on a Sunday afternoon. You know, right. Nobody's going, they're not going to go to these games. And then you wonder and then everyone's like, wow, wow, the Verizon Center sucks. Why is there no environment? Blah, blah, blah. You know, then they blame the fans, especially the ones that are there or not, you know, then it's like it comes down to the fans. I'm like, well, dude, let's, let's do it. Let's do it economically of why they're not, why they're not coming because they've been priced out to a certain extent. Correct. Yeah. What about yeah. your interactions with Ted, personally? You said he used to do events for fans, uh, do some, some fan events? or
2: Yeah, he's, they've had a history of doing these chalk talks like once a month before games. And so Ted used to do one a year when he first took over. I don't think I've seen him in the last couple of years do those kind of things. Um, so, it, I mean, it's nice to be able to talk to the owner and ask the question, questions of the owner. And, and he had some great stories to tell. Um, but i i just haven't had that opportunity i haven't seen him in that kind of event uh, for the last 2 or 3 years
1: how about any other the monumental board members any reaction any interactions with them
2: uh, not not really not at my level No. yeah not at my level of season ticket holder status <laughs> i guess not, not at my price level
1: yeah your price level now, now now let's let's talk some this this let's, let's start with some positives on this team uh, so your in-game experience. What have you seen that you actually enjoy? That they do well. That Money Mo done well, especially under Ted.
2: Wow. I, I, I you know, I, I, think when it first came out, there's there's a monumental rewards program for fans where you can you can buy experiences with points, and it's it basically a system that encourages you to engage in any way with the TDM and they give you 5, 10, 100 points or whatever. Any action that you take, whether it's a tweet or a Facebook post that has hashtags in it or something like that. And so you're able to buy some, you know, experiences that you wouldn't necessarily get to experience. The, the, the problem with that this year is that there, there's nothing worth buying. And everybody that's spending all this money, because the more money you spend, the more points you get all these auctions that they have, all the people with all the points and they've spent all the money by buy all these things. So we used to be able to go, and again, I know I keep hitting on this thing with this VIP lounge that they've got. We used to be able to go down there one year, we went 18 times. Uh, so that was nice. Uh, but then it went to once a month last year. I thought that was great. It, it, it really gives sort of that, that makes you feel valued as a customer to be able to do something special like that once a month. And this year, it's gone. It's, it's absolutely gone. So you can buy a sweet game once a year. So, you know, we, we, use, our, we use our points to buy a sweet game. And that's it. We haven't done anything else. So we just got a bunch of points. and Because um, I, I don't want, you know, a, a, a T-shirt that's been handed out at a game with a custom ink logo glue on the back. And I don't want <laughs> a tin lunchbox that I got my season tickets in like four years ago or a gym bag that I got free already because I've already got that stuff.
1: So the recycling insane so, so saying gifts. So the ones you yeah. actually want are unattainable because the way you do that is is you get points when you buy big-ticket items, correct? Right. So, yeah. So then it's a reward system. They've kind of hollowed out the actual rewards of the reward system.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, and some of the other, you know, this is sort of a, a tangent, but... You know, some of the in-game giveaways matter to me. Uh, every year, I write a blog post about, you know, bobbleheads yes. that are yes. given away around the NBA, and I love bobbleheads. I think yes. it's great. It's stupid and it's silly, but that's oh. part of being a fan. Hey, and so I, that's what I got, I got,
1: action, I got Superman and Gortat up, up, up right, <laughs> right next to my TV as we speak. Uh, I yep. have, I have, uh, what else do I have? I think that's the only one I have. But oh, I have some it's, towels. I have a towel too.
2: Yeah. So those things have gone away. They just disappeared. There's no giveaways, and I, I see teams like. You know the Warriors have four or five bobblehead giveaways in, in a year, and the Kings I think did six this year, and they did this whole series. And the Wizards get they get one, and it's it's John Wall again. And I mean he deserves it more than anybody anybody else. But I already got three John Wall bobbleheads that the teams given away in his first six years, and I'm gonna have four. And you know I I, I just love for there to be more stuff like that. Yeah, I don't why, need a team. Like why, why
1: is there, why isn't like a Kelly Oubre like or Otto Porter giveaways right?
2: Well, yeah, you, you could get a out of bobbleheads bobblehead from the kids' club Um <laughs> pay 20 bucks, which, of course, I did. So it's in trust for my niece who's, who's four or three or four right now, and so she's going to have a whole pile of bobbleheads, you know, will to her when, when she doesn't care about
1: them. But, well, how, well, how about chick fil You down with OK with Chick-fil-A? T-shirt toss? The dancers? In-game att- entertainment? You know, Jumbotron? The music? you know, all these I I, any, go, any of those things annoy you? Anything's annoy you, or any of them that you appreciate? I guess.
2: I mean, I go to watch the game, yeah. so I I don't necessarily need the NBA to entertain me every minute that I'm at the arena. But the, the one thing that sticks in my craw is the fact that we never have any like professional halftime shows. Like, it's obvious. We it's just cut that out. There's is none of it. It's kids playing basketball, or it's some monumental talent contest. And I mean, good for the people that get to sing for us on the court. And I'm not making fun of those guys or whatever. And Getting in front of an audience is valuable for them, I am sure, but but I'd rather see you know people doing magic or playing tricks with dogs or whatever it is that these traveling NBA halftime shows go around the league, and it it, it just feels like, and I never used to care about that, but it just feels like we're cheaping out. Oh, Jonathan, it just seems like split, John, Jonathan, Jonathan, it's money Jonathan,
1: the Jazzercise size performances at halftime don't <laughs> see, see a bunch <laughs> of middle aged women work out. Does it? Does it do it for you? Yeah. <laughs> I make fun of the Jazzercise every year. I, I think I've been to every single time, unless I've gone multiple times, like at least once a year. <laughs> there's the Jazzercise.
2: I, yeah, I think uh, they even cut those guys out now.
1: Yeah, the, my, my favorite part about this too. I'm glad you brought this up. This just be one thing I used to make fun of all the time, and I've kind of just became I'm defeated. <laughs> I've lost. I've lost interest of of making that point over and over on my Twitter account. But the one was when they did a talent contest. It was like I think it was last year or maybe two years ago. They did a talent contest. But they never announced the winner. Like, I literally went on the website to find who actually won the talent contest. And one time, this guy was so bad that me and the usher were just like, I felt so bad for him. Because the last thing I can do is go out in front of all those people and get a microphone and try to sing. Right? Like, I can't sing at all. But I'm also aware that I can't do that, right? It's like the American Idol people. So this guy, I'm like, okay, I don't want to make fun of you, but, man, you're out here wearing this, like, leprechaun outfit with some weird name, and it was so bad. Like, I started feeling bad for him. And then they had his performance and the other performance up on Monumental's website, and you can vote for it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, so then I was going to blog about it, but then I didn't because I felt really bad. But then I was like, okay, well, who won this contest? And I went back. So all year, they would do this contest. We'd make all these jokes, like, oh, wow, they're too cheap for halftime entertainment. And then I'm like, okay, well, they've been throwing out this halftime contest on us all year. Like, who actually won? I never found an answer – I don't think anyone ever won. I think they just got embarrassed and it was just this way to do a cheapen thing because they didn't even advertise it on the website because you could go to the website and vote on each one that night. Like the fans could and they would have a winner and you would advance, but they never actually announced who won or put it on the website.
2: And so and I, thought, I guess I, I, yeah, like, I, I did I guess I didn't care enough about it. They, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't suck me in that, that bar to but even it, check. But, if,
1: but, if, but it feels amateur. It feels tacky, especially when I, when you go yeah. see the Clippers, right? When you, when I go see the Brooklyn Nets who are terrible. And you know, I think a good addition this year has been the Wiz Kids little dancers. I like them. The Brooklyn ones were really really neat. Just something a little different. And I know you gotta get the promotional stuff in. You know, I, you know, like I, I stopped making fun of some of the Dunkin' Donut stuff or some of these, you know, sumo wrestling or Whatever tricycles and you know, hey, every arena does a halftime sh- half-court shot. Every every oh. arena does that. Even though I think one time when the Wizards hit a half-court shot, they gave them like ten thousand dollars, and like someone else won like like five hundred thousand, a hundred thousand dollars somewhere else. <laughs> I was going into that, but but in the sense that uh, overall, nothing you would improve on. Anything that comes to mind aside from the aside from the card thing. I mean, is there anything that comes comes to mind that annoys you or? You know, I'm just a snarky blogger uh, looking for things to complain about.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty low maintenance as a fan. And, uh, again, I'm going to see the game. Um, I, I, and, I, again, I never really cared about the halftime shows till they were gone, which is always the way it happens, right? <laughs> um, but it's, 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 we're clearly going to be treated more, more businesslike in the future. Um, and, I, and I guess that's the way it is. That's what it is. So what is, and so what, so maybe they'll learn over time. I don't know. Maybe the influx of the, the TV money will change that. I'm not sure.
1: What did you feel of the, the report this week uh, or that Grunfeld was coming back for another year? I don't know if you caught that by chance.
2: Oh, yeah. I caught that. <laughs>
1: um, I, I'm sure your feed, If I know you have a feed of Wizards fans. There's no there's no way you could not catch that. But.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I... I don't feel quite the same way about Ernie Grunfeld as some other people, and I'm sure part of that has to do with me being a Knicks fan back in the 90s, because two of those teams went to the finals, right? Um, one after he was fired. He, you know, he made all these moves, they fired him, and then the same year they went to the finals with, with Sprewell and Canby. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know, I think, I think Ernie's made some pretty good trades. I think his draft record is pretty terrible. Um, except for you know, some no-brainers kind of thing, but I also think the draft is a, a in some respects, a total crapshoot, especially when you get into the teens. Uh, and you know, there's people talking about, well, how come we didn't draft Paul George or all this sort of stuff. And you know, there's a lot of other people that missed on that guy or Kawhi Leonard. There's there's a whole bunch of other teams that missed there. So there's there's sort of a a draft pecking order that's that's sort of published by the press and. When everybody picks according to that order, it's great, and everybody feels good about it, but then later on, you just pan the picks when they don't work out. Um, but I, I do think we, we made some especially poor picks relative to character. Uh, a few of those years, obviously, Nick Young and uh, JaVale McGee, and Andre Blatch. I mean, that was the second-round pick, so Blatch actually panned out pretty well for a while, but just his, his character, his work ethic just wasn't there, and uh, you need that kind of stuff in order to succeed in this league because it's a huge competition and you just can't coast on that kind of talent that Blatch has. But, but the international drafting has just been not very impressive. I look at Petrov and Vesely and, you know, not being able to get Saturansky over here and sort of nickeling, diming Saturansky with making him, asking him to play in summer league again. And, you know, that rubbed him the wrong way. And so now I understand he's back with Barcelona for another couple of years. And so he's not coming over anytime soon. And so we'll probably trade the pick and, and, <laughs> you probably trade the rights to him for something that's insignificant and and you'll you'll go to Houston or whatever and, and end up being a superstar. So I, I I think there's a lot of luck in this drafting process and and I think, you know, Ernie's had some hits and he's had some misses. Um but you know, it doesn't seem like we could do much worse with somebody else at this point. Yeah. So we 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 can't sort of you can't just sort of stick with fifth through tenth in the conference or lower. At some point, you just got to go for it and you know, you got to make some hard choices. and I think the Atlanta Hawks did that a couple of years ago. You know, they were sort of in this draft lottery hell where they were sort of finishing fourth or fifth in the conference every year and not getting any better. And, and I think was it Larry Drew that was coaching those guys and they got him out and brought Buttonholzer in and, and then they had that great league year last year. Well, Joe,
1: Joe Johnson, Joe Smith era, uh, they would they would. You know, decent, but not enough to give him over the hump, right?
2: Yeah, right. What, what, so at uh, some point, you just, you you just, just got to say what's the point. Is, is the point to, to sort of make the playoffs every year, or is the point to compete for a championship? And I think the point is to compete for a championship.
1: Well, Ted Leonson's thing is the, supposedly the point is to win a title. But I, I, I have never been convinced that Ernie Grunfeld and any women are the ones that are going to lead the Wizards to a title. Uh, he would make these arguments on incremental improvement. So he'd be like, oh, we did make the playoffs. Now we made the playoffs. Now we've, we we won a first round. You know, we won two first round series. We got people back. We're going to have flexibility to go after Kevin Durant, even though they technically don't say that, but that's what we all infer, right? So then it's like, here's the plan. Right. They got a plan, you know? And to be fair, they have a plan. It hasn't really worked out for, for a reasons. I don't know what's, all their fault per se but it's still here's the bottom line it hasn't worked out you make millions of dollars you've got a pass on a lot of things that most people wouldn't get a pass on and it feels like at some point you have to rip the bandaid off and go to a different era i don't see ted doing that especially with a new arena team with uh you know the caps going to be hopefully successful let me knock on wood because that's a right. lot of work there's a lot of relationships there too and and ted's ted's you know ted's willingness to uh, you know, he's also a businessman. I'm sure they show him the bottom line. Do they make more money this year or next? Right. He reports to a board. He makes reports. I think sometimes some fans yeah. don't see all that. And as long as these numbers are there that we discussed and this revenue is coming in from the TV deal, how much is it really to go out and do this gamble and risk and then have to fire all these people and hire new people and spend all this energy when he's on all these boards and he's got a lot going on. He wants to promote this new arena team. Right? He's, try- he's trying to get this practice facility built with the city. <laughs> I mean, like, there's one lot- to, to all of a sudden. I know people don't want to hear that either. Be like, oh, I mean, he's got a lot of stuff going on. He kind of needs yeah. these people below him to make these decisions. But when you blow everyone up below you, who the hell are you bringing in to actually get all these other people? Even though I would argue that's what you need to do. But in his time and resources, he might just say, hey, Let's keep rolling, Ernie Grunfeld and Tommy Shepard again. I would probably promote Tommy Shepard within, who's the number two, uh, personally, and you know do some type of handoff of power there because I think that'd be the smarter move for him. But I don't, I don't see it happening this year, especially now that Grunfeld's on a contract for another year. Them eating Grunfeld's money and Whitman's money, and then having to hire all these new people, uh, I
2: don't, I don't see it happening from him. Yeah. So I'm not saying it
1: shouldn't happen. I think it should happen. I don't the, the, the happy, funny.
2: He, do you? The funny thing about that, well the funny thing about that whole situation is you know, I mean, if things worked out and we actually did sign Kevin Durant, then the plans worked. <laughs> yes. That is perfect. <laughs> exactly what those guys wanted, it all came true. Yes. So you've been exactly right if that happens. So uh. I think you I can see Ted just waiting and see what happens, and if that happens, he's just going to point to it and say, "This was the plan all along. We told you guys this was the plan, and it worked out exactly right." I guess, and, I guess, and, I and thought, nobody I never, can have any complaints about it. Yeah, because now you have, and then you sign
1: Bradley Beal, and you have the money to have Beal, Wall, and Durant locked up for how many years with Thanks. Otto and Ubre, two young players. You go get, and now you got, now you got veterans. You know, like a David West who went this the Spurs, maybe going to take some lesser money to come play with Kevin Durant, right? <laughs> and then it would all, then it would just all magically work out if Kevin Durant decides to come back home.
2: And it would, and and it, all the credit would go to these guys that everybody just says they're they're terrible employees and general managers and executives and all this. But if that worked, if that actually happens, they're brilliant. And maybe that is, but I mean, it's sort of like. Maybe that is... Sort of like, like- Sam Hinckley, right? I mean, if Sam, yeah. Sam Hinckley's plan works four years from now where all these guys that he drafted yes. in Philadelphia turn out to be the, the world beaters, then he's right. Well, if, he gets, if they get Ben Simmons in the
1: draft and he's awesome and then Sarek comes over and Embiid actually ends up being okay, which I don't think he will be, but, but yeah. Like they could be, and then they, they have the Lakers pick next year <laughs> and that could be a right. high pick again.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, goes- you just have to wait that stuff out. But the Wizards don't have to wait too much longer. I if they thought, signed somebody great this offseason, then the plans worked. And if thought, they don't, then it hasn't.
1: I never thought in that sense that maybe part of this whole plan was, hey Ernie, we'll keep you till this next year. And you make that pitch to Durant, right, in the summer. If he comes, he comes. If he doesn't, Whitman's maybe, you know, a separate conversation. Because maybe you go to Kevin Durant. If he comes, to be like, pick your own coach, right? And yep. and, and then Ernie and so to go to Kevin Durant as the owner and be like, "Oh, hey, well, i have just fired the GM, the the coach, and everyone, right. co- come play with us." Right. <laughs> that is that is a terrible. That's a terrible sales pitch. I mean, that's a different. That's a horrible sales pitch in indie industry. Like, I think you're trying to recruit yeah. like a top employee, and you're Google, and you're trying to get the top person from Facebook, and be like, "Hey, you're the best programmer in the world." Oh yeah, we just like fired everyone. You don't have a boss yet, but we're gonna run the best department there is. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> the, the, the unfortunate part about our situation is it, it's not looked very favorably right now. So it, it's not like keeping any everybody is is that you know this world beating organization either. So yeah, you know. But I agree, firing everybody is no better. It's like we had this plan and we decided to abandon it, but we're we're still going to try to. Get you to come here but none of the people that are part of this plan are now here yeah
1: and then and then, and then kevin durant re-ups for one more year and we do this all over again yeah because <laughs> i would like to know what plan b is I, 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 no one seems they say all horford's plan b but if kevin durant you know I, i'm gonna have months to get into this obviously to talk to talk this through more get people other people's opinions but because now the consensus is that kevin durant's probably going to re-up but you don't know what's going to happen here in these playoffs you know, I, he might still take meetings. I don't know how that all shakes out. Uh, you know, I, he's probably going to take some meetings. Uh, and I think the Wizards will be on that list. They got a good shot as anyone else aside from Oklahoma City. Now... If he decides to re-up and do a one-more-year contract, then what do the Wizards do? Do they – you know, they still probably have to keep money in case Kevin Durant would come in 2017 or I would write – we would write a 1,000 blog posts about how they're idiots, right?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think they can put it on hold. I, I would be very disappointed if they put it on hold for another year.
1: Well, not on hold. I mean, they'd have to spend some of this money. They're going to have 40. Yeah, oh, sure, yeah. yeah.
2: I'm just saying they'd have
1: to maybe keep – you know, not go out and sign – two dudes. But then again, they're like, I don't know who the hell they're going to really sign. Uh, you know, the, the free agent market isn't that much. And, and it's kind of when people talk about Bradley Beal's contract extension, and I really understand it, but I was like, when Evan Turner gets $80 million, and Harrison Barnes gets the max, and Kent Bazemore gets $67 yeah. giving Bradley Beal all that money is not going to seem as terrible you know, and awful. And, and yeah. I, know, I know it's hard for people to understand that, but that's what's going to happen. I mean, there's 14, 15 teams with all this money, and and they gotta spend it on somebody. Yeah, you know I don't want any of those players. Well, Jonathan, I've taken too much of your time. We went over, but hey, this is fun, man. Uh, thank you for having me. Is there any? Uh, do you do you do you have any any hopes here for the next three games? We have not talked about any of the games coming up. I I, <laughs> I put that off because usually that's what I do on the podcast is talk about the games. And I guess we we kind of mentioned the the Clippers game and the Nets game, but. Uh, any any hopes here for this Pistons game on Friday night? Hey, here's my here's my here's my here's my uh, doom scenario. I'm gonna run this by you before before we leave. Is that the Wizards win the rest of their games and they they win tomorrow night in Detroit? And then the Cleveland Cavaliers do not play. It, and then the Miami beats them, and the Cavs sit everyone on the last game, and and the, and the Pistons beat the Cavs.
2: <laughs> and that's, that's the number one reason why I don't have any hope, because I think that's absolutely going to happen. The Cavs aren't going to have anything to play for. They're just going to sit everybody, and Detroit's going to walk all over them.
0: Or,
1: or, or do the Cavs pick who they want to play at that point, right? If it comes to that scenario, the Cavs can be like, oh, we, do we want to play Detroit or Washington? They probably want to play Detroit.
2: I, I think they can beat either team but, easily. No, yeah,
1: I guess it doesn't really matter. I don't think they care. They don't care. Yeah, you're right. They don't care. They're going to sit everyone, and I'm going to be hoping Matthew Delladova hits like 10 threes, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and James Jones gets hot from three, or or, or i try to think of what other Cavs backups. G.R. Smith, he probably won't play. Who knows? Uh, all yeah, backups I think it's awfully
2: difficult because of that game that's sitting out there. Because I, you, know, I, you know
1: they're going be, to beat Detroit tomorrow just to just to tease us, right? Well, unless Wall can't play. That's true, too.
2: Yes. And, uh, you know, I think we've handled pretty Detroit pretty easily this year. Yeah. I think the three games against those guys, we've clearly been the better team in every game. Yes. And uh, – but if Wall's not going, I just don't know what, what happens there. Those guys in Detroit, they've got to be pretty motivated to make the playoffs. They seem to be a lot more motivated than our team.
1: That is – that is correct, Jonathan. And on that note we will we will end this. Thank you. Thank you so much for for joining me. It was it was fun to talk oh, Thanks for to having you. me. How we, I don't know if we solved anything, but uh we uh hopefully <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you enjoy this discussion. I really enjoyed uh your presence and uh thank you everyone for listening to another episode. Uh the season is winding down, so the the next one will probably be I'll end I'll begin with uh the doors. This is the end. will probably be the lead-in song. So I uh, just a little little tease for everyone but thanks 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 for your support and as always go with
3: The warden led a prisoner down the hallway to his doom and I stood up to say goodbye like all the rest and I heard him tell the warden Just before he reached my cell Let my guitar play friend in my request Let him sing me back home For the song I used to hear May. Come alive, take me away and turn back the years. Sing me back home before I die. I recall a Sunday morning. A choir from off the street Came in to sing a few old gospel songs And I heard him tell the singers There's a song my mama sang Could I hear it once before you move along won't you sing me back home With a song I used to hear Make my old memories come alive Take me away And turn back the years. Record. That's uh, much on the same thought. We hope that you like it as much as you did, Muskogee, and if it covers.